An invasion on the beaches of Normandy on D-Day was a crucial event in the fight to experience peace and put an end to World War II. Similarly, an invasion in a cattle barn on the outskirts of Bethlehem on the first Christmas was a crucial event in God's plan to restore true peace between humanity and God and between people. The invasion in the stable was part of a war that can be traced back to the beginning of time. Since Adam and Eve disobeyed God's instructions in the Garden of Eden and fell for the lives of the evil one, heavenly peace on earth was broken, devastated. The initial peace-shattering shot was fired at the first bites, or as the first bites were taken of the forbidden fruit. Adam and Eve joined ranks with Satan to declare war upon God. Like the thief that he is, the serpent came to steal, kill, and destroy the peace God had designed for Adam and Eve to enjoy with their creator. The first couple's choice to sin launched a war that ended life as they had originally experienced it. Now only God could make a way to rescue humanity from its war-torn existence and restore peace through a Savior. Throughout the Bible, there are some 400 direct references to peace, not to mention a volume of indirect allusions. While there are various words in the original languages of the Bible that refer to peace, the deepest roots stem back to the word shalom. Shalom, at its core, means to be whole or complete. To this day, Jews around the world use the term shalom as a greeting. But this simple-sounding word means much more than experiencing calmness. It suggests a state of fullness and perfection, overflowing inner and outer joy and peaceful serenity. Shalom literally means God's highest and most complete good be upon you and all associated with you. While divine plans to restore peace were in the works since the garden, the moment for heaven to launch the long-awaited mission of the Messiah to deal with sin and restore peace with God was targeted on one holy night in Bethlehem. The birth announcement that night was blared out in the fields by heavenly warriors to lowly shepherds. In Luke 2, 8 to 14, we read, In the same region, shepherds were staying in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. 
Who is the Messiah, the Lord? This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby tightly, wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. The reason a Savior was born on that day in the city of David was that something or someone needed saving. We were the ones who needed saving and deliverance because shalom had been lost through sin and Satan's schemes. John writes in clear terms why Jesus came into the world. He says this, You know that he, talking about Jesus, was revealed so that he might take away sins. And there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to identify the works of the devil that impact all of our lives. Those works include addictions that lead to the breakup of families, hatred that fuels tensions among people of different worldviews, racism that leads to isolation, mistrust, discrimination, and injustice, violence that escalates to a range of harm from mass shootings to suicide, greed that leads to lies, that leads to crime and corruption, that leads to attempted cover-ups, abuse that leaves people with external and internal scars, sickness and disease leading to death that was never part of the original creation of God, fear, shame, and darkness that snuff out any light leading to peace. These works of the devil and many other examples we could cite are why Jesus came from heaven to earth. Jesus was born on purpose for a purpose. The purpose of Christmas was to lead to Easter, where the perfect Son of God would finish a holy war on the devil and destroy all of his evil works, works that rob people of peace with one another and with God. Sin is the source of every conflict on earth. Jesus came to deal with sin once and for all and to shine the light on the path to peace. This was part of the prophesied plan of God well before the holy night when Christ was born. We find it in the passage read earlier by Glenn and Brenda. Notice, that, notice what Isaiah the prophet proclaimed 700 years before the invasion of peace that night in Bethlehem. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, 
a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. The Prince of Peace is the one who brings hope to those who have been living in exile from peace. A peace we were created to know and experience within a right relationship with God and each other. Isaiah goes on to share how this Prince of Peace would restore peace. He says, but he, speaking of Jesus, was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Jesus restored peace by dying for us. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. The cross is where the shalom lost in the garden was restored. On the cross, our Savior made a way for peace to be experienced again in the most complete and whole sense of the word. The word Savior is the word soter in the original language. This word can be translated deliverer or preserver. These words describe what Jesus came to do on his invasion that night in the cattle barn. He came to deliver people, to deliver us from the works of the devil, and to preserve the peace of God so that God's kingdom might be experienced on earth as it is in heaven. The Prince of Peace came to show and walk the path to peace. Just before the birth of Jesus, his uncle Zechariah prophesied about how his son John would help point people to the path of peace that this coming Prince of Peace would produce. Zechariah says, And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. When we don't experience peace in our lives, it's often because we have chosen paths Jesus never intended for us to take. Paths that lead to deeper and deeper debt instead of financial freedom. Paths that lead to reading and posting negative words instead of building others up. Paths that lead to destroying relationships instead of strengthening them. Paths that lead to secrecy rather than transparency. Paths that lead to shading the truth instead of telling the whole truth. Paths that lead to taking and hoarding instead of giving and sharing. Paths that lead to rejecting God's will instead of embracing it. 
if you are not experiencing peace in your life, it may be related to the path that you're on today. Sometimes we find ourselves on dark paths due to our own deliberate and rebellious choices. At other times, the treacherous paths are ones we never intended to take, but almost imperceptibly, we allowed ourselves to drift onto them by not intentionally choosing God's paths. Either way, any path that is not God's path contains only illusions of peace. In the end, these paths lead only to death. God's path of peace leads from the manger to the cross. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life in order to fire that final shot that would destroy all the works of the devil as he became the perfect and sinless sacrifice. The Apostle Paul writes about how Jesus' death provided peace for us in a new relationship with God. Paul says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. What Jesus did on the cross was to fulfill the purpose of why he was born in the first place. He came to restore shalom and make a path to peace for us to walk down as we follow him. When Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God, he had in mind people who actively pursue right and restored relationships with others. The true peacemakers Jesus spoke of are those who seek God's highest good in the lives of others. Jesus offered his sinless life on the cross to make clear the path of peace because he wanted God's highest good to be possible for all people for all time. Don Richardson was a Canadian missionary in the 1960s to a cannibalistic headhunting tribe in western New Guinea known as the Sawi. The Sawi villages lived in constant fierce fighting among themselves. Richardson was stymied in sharing the good news of Jesus. Why? Because Sawi culture treated treachery, revenge, and murder as highly esteemed. When they heard the Easter story, they thought that Judas, not Jesus, was the hero. Imagine trying to bring the message of Jesus to a people who had that type of uh, paradigm. But a huge breakthrough came one day when Richardson learned that the Sawi had a legendary custom the custom was that if one village gave a baby boy to another village, peace would prevail between the two villages as long as the child lived. The infant 
was called a peace child. The peace child was offered at great price. A peace child required a father and mother to give up their son to secure peace for those they loved. The light bulb turned on for Richardson when he learned of the custom. He explained to the Sawways that Jesus was God's divine peace child to humanity. Jesus is the gift that ends our hostility toward God and turns away God's wrath. Richardson explained that because Jesus lives forever, the peace he offers to us will never end. That analogy was the key that unlocked faith for the Sawis. In a miraculous working of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, many of them believed in Christ. A strong church soon developed, and lasting peace, both spiritual and physical, came to the Sawis. What have you done with the peace child given for you? Have you received Jesus? Have you received God's gift of forgiveness and life that cost God his son? If not, you can today. You do that by admitting your need for a savior, by choosing to turn away from your sin, by believing that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and to be raised again from the dead three days later and by personally receiving God's peace child for you. Today, you can receive the gift of peace God sent for you. At the end of our service, in just a bit, our prayer teams will be here at the front to talk with and pray for you. They can help you better understand how you can personally receive God's peace child today. This Advent and Christmas season, may we all experience the peace, the shalom of Christ. The shalom that was lost in the garden and restored on the cross. May we believe the good news of great joy heralded by the angels to the shepherds. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who has come to restore for us peace with God and peace with one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder today and for all the reminders from your word that peace was lost in the garden and it was lost for all humanity for all time until you made a way for that peace to be restored, God, by sending us your peace child. God, thank you that you paid the price 
to restore peace, to restore shalom, to bring your highest good to us now and for all eternity. We say thank you for your great, for your amazing, for your indescribable gift. Lord, I pray that whatever we may need to do with your gift today, that we would do it. For those who have never received it, I pray that this would be the day that they experience peace with you by receiving the gift of your son. Lord, for those who have received your gift, may we cherish it. May we remember again today the cost of that gift and the love that caused you, God, to send your son for us. Lord, may we in turn extend that peace to those around us, both within the body of Christ and to those in our world, those who so desperately need to know the true and lasting and eternal peace that only your son, Jesus, brings. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. In just a few moments, we're going to, um, we're going to, through a, a symbolic act, remember the peace that God made possible for us through Jesus, through observing the ordinance of communion. I'm going to uh, invite those who are serving communion to come forward right now.